The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Hi, good afternoon. This is Jenny Frumer, and welcome to Leadership Matters, informing leaders and inspiring solutions. This afternoon, we have two terrific guests with us. Um, one, let me introduce uh, Mitchell Kitrosa. Uh, Mitchell Kitrosa is a graduate of John University School of Law. He's worked in as, as an associate in the real estate practice and in civil litigation before taking a position as confidential law clerk for New York Supreme Court Justice Richard A. Goldberg. He has been in Palm Beach County since 1995. Um, and he's also, having worked with the state attorney's office, he chose to focus his law practice on providing legal services geared to the specialized needs of today's family. So, as you know, I'm Jenny with Jewish Family and Children's Services in West Palm Beach, and um, Mitch is one of our guests. The other guest that we have with us today is Neil Newstein, and Neil Newstein is the CEO of Elpid Jewish Family and Children's Service. And Neil has an extensive background as well. Um, Neil, other than being CEO for a number of nonprofit organizations, has been the past chairman of the Board of Trustees, um, the Southern Commission, and a site team leader for the Council on Accreditation. He is past chair, as I said, for the Council on Accreditation for Families and Children's Services. He himself has been a volunteer on numerous national committees as well as an extensive background um, in publishing. And I'm so thrilled. I could go on and on, but that's not really what the show's about. The bios are posted on the website. So welcome, Mitch and Thank Neil. Thank you. Um, today we're talking about a topic that doesn't get spoken about very much. And just to give it some context... Um, it's really about volunteers and how organizations uh, might be or might not be using volunteers in the work that they do. And I think one of the challenges, particularly for not-for-profits, is how we engage volunteers. So that given just kind of a brief context, um, Mitch, if you would talk a little bit about um, your role as a volunteer in the community, and then, Neil, if you would talk about uh, your work as a volunteer on other for-profits, excuse me, non-profits and public agencies. Sure. Um, well, I, I volunteer a good portion of um, my work time for Albert Jewish Family and Children's Service. I represent the agency both in its pool trust and its guardianship program. Now, in all candor, some of that they pay me for. Um, where the wards have money, they can pay me. But where the wards do not have money, I'm working for free. And um, 
it really doesn't matter to me whether I'm working for the agency on behalf of somebody who has money or who doesn't have money. Um, it's just part of giving back to the community. Um, also volunteer some time with our local synagogue and, and some other organizations as well. Mm-hmm. So it begs the question, Mitch, what possesses you to volunteer for voluntary organizations like that? Well, I get probably as much out of my time with with my volunteer work as as I give. Um, there's There's so much that enhances my life because of my volunteer time. Um, and some of it, of course, is personal satisfaction. Some of it is the, the feeling of doing good for the community. Um, that's certainly the prime motivation. But anytime anybody is volunteering a significant amount of time and also trying to, at the same time, earn a living, put food on the table, run an office, and hire and pay staff... The volunteer time that you spend comes back to you anyway because you're making contacts in the community. You're putting goodwill out in the community. So it really is a quid pro quo. It's not just I'm giving stuff away and not getting anything back. I'm getting back all of the goodwill I put out there. I'm also getting back experience that I would never have had otherwise. Can you talk more I'm, about that? Sure. I'm much, much better at the work that I do because of the experience that I have, whether it's stuff that the agency pays me for or work that I've done at no charge. I've learned just an enormous amount from Jewish families staff, from their guardianship people, from their social workers and case managers. And my life experience is different than it would otherwise be. I'm not just a lawyer. My practice really involves families and special needs kids and wrongful death cases and catastrophic injuries and guardianships and elder law and Medicaid planning. And there's a, there's a significant social worker aspect to all of that because it all involves people in stressful situations. Well, the agency has case managers and licensed clinical social workers and psychologists and psychiatrists all on staff. And my encountering and my time with them and my experience with them has made me better at this stuff than I ever would have been if I hadn't volunteered. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's kind of an interesting perspective because we tend to think of volunteerism truly from just possibly an altruistic perspective. And uh, if we really want to engage professional volunteers, there's this kind of give and take. There really and is. The, um, the altruistic aspect has to be there or you're not going to be able to to be willing to volunteer. Maybe not maintain it. Not maintain it, not follow up with it, and certainly not be committed to it to a level where you're going to get out of it what I've gotten out of it. But once you look at it from a different perspective, you begin to realize that there's a lot to be gained by giving. Mm -hmm. And it's not just um, giving away my time and, and seeing no return other than the personal satisfaction. There's a lot that comes back when you volunteer. And that really identifies what the agency has to do, agency staff, to engage professional volunteers. It has to be worthwhile, not from a financial point of view, but from a what they get out of it point of view, what they learn and what they develop. And that's the challenge is to really make it a meaningful experience. If you don't do that, if you don't engage a professional volunteer, they're not going to stick around. Mm-hmm. 
So, Neil, you, you've been a professional volunteer for other organizations, and you're also a CEO of an organization, so you kind of, if you will, straddle both perspectives. Can you talk about each of those? Well, I think, as I said, we all volunteer, not because of the, the money, but because we achieve something for ourselves, whether it's um, uh, personal satisfaction or we learn things or we develop ourselves. And again, as a CEO, you want to make that happen. And the, one of the things that I think we do well at JF and CS is to individualize the volunteer opportunities for the volunteer so that it's not just a cookie-cutter approach, come in and lick envelopes. It's what do you, what do you want? What do you hope to gain? How does that fit with what we're doing? And um, uh, really a marriage of the two, mm-hmm. uh, volunteer and the organization. And sometimes that process is um, not having necessarily job descriptions, quote, for volunteers, but rather to sit down with them and really understand their likes, their dislikes, the talents, real talents that they bring to the table. And then you develop the job description from that conversation. mm -hmm. And kind of find the the synergy and find the way that they can engage. Um, There's also a lot written recently about the kind of new age of volunteers, if you will, uh, as we explore from the generational perspective that the greatest generation, those who are older at this point, might have been willing to do pretty much anything to volunteer or any volunteer position within an organization. Boomers, for example, uh, tend to want to really give back of their talents, and they also want to keep learning and be engaged in lifelong learning. And Mitch, you mentioned the learning aspect of it. Yeah. So... um, I think the challenge then for organizations is how we find ways to engage. But what is really the benefit to an organization to have volunteers? We haven't really discussed that part of it. Well, the wisdom and um, expertise and the free uh, services that you can provide because the volunteers don't see compensation. But there is a cost. The cost is the coordination and the uh, paying attention to the volunteer, but it's a much lower cost than employing uh, people to do the same job. Mm-hmm. And also the volunteers may be more experienced than staff that you would hire and certainly bring other things to the plate, which is mm-hmm. really invaluable. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's a problem, either one of you just kind of jump in, do you think there's a problem with staff who might feel somewhat threatened by having a really seasoned person working on their team who's a volunteer who can bring talents and bring skills and knowledge to the table? I I guess if it's all right, I'll go first on this one. Sure. Um, Because I am a volunteer and I I do have the experience of interacting with staff. Um, My experience is that I haven't seen any discomfort with the fact that I'm there and I'm there to help. I think most staff are happy for the help. I think in certainly in the not-for-profit world, they're overworked anyway, um, as most people are these days. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to have a, a couple of extra pairs of hands around, and certainly expertise is, is very handy. You know, the, the folks that come in and volunteer, in my experience, are really experts in their fields. And I've, I've met so many other volunteers at Jewish Family who are just phenomenal 
people with incredible skills and life experience who can come in and really add to any agency. And I think most of the staff recognize that. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're at all intimidated by the folks that they're working with, well, that may be true, but at the same time, I think they're grateful for the help and, and recognize the level of experience they're, they're getting help from. Mm-hmm. I, I, think can, I think it can be a problem because... I think the closer you get to the tests that the paid staff do, the more threatening it can be for the to have a volunteer come in. Um, and especially when you get into things where uh, there's a commonality of uh, skill sets. Uh, I think Mitch is in a unique position as an attorney. There aren't any other attorneys on the staff. So that that doesn't come into play. But we've got a medical director sits on the senior management team and his view of things is somewhat different than the rest of the staff and so at times his uh, view of how to deal with a problem in terms of process can be different and threatening to other members of the staff. So it's something you have to watch. It doesn't have to be a overwhelming problem but it can be. Mm-hmm. And, and It also how depends d- a little bit on the personalities yeah. of the people involved. Absolutely. And when there are those kinds of issues, um, in your experience, what are some of the ways that those can be addressed? Talking, talking it out, for starters, I think really having a discussion and uh, having the volunteer and the threatened staff people really get to know each other better. The closer we are in terms of relationship building, the easier it is to get along and to uh, understand and respect each other. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely the case. If if you are working with somebody for a long time and, and you have a familiarity and a friendship, mm-hmm. there's going to be less friction. There's going to be a much mm-hmm. greater level You're going to be able to communicate more easily about some of those issues that arise. Well, we're out of time for this first segment. So um, for the listeners, thank you for joining us, and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. We all face some economic uncertainty in our life. What makes the difference is how we take command of that and survive. Tune in to Strategies for Financial Survival with host Michael Figueroa. Michael has been up and down the road to success several times, and along with his guests, will share the skills of survival. By assessing your strengths and skills and applying them to your future, you can make it through tough times, regardless of your field. Listen every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Hi, and welcome back. This is Jenny Frumer. And um, on the show today, we have two guests, uh, Mitchell Kitrosa and Neil Neustein. Um, and we've been talking about volunteers and some issues and um, real positive aspects of organizations engaging volunteers. And just during the break, we kind of were talking a little bit about culture. And so, Neil, I'd really like for you to lead off and uh, tell the viewers what uh, the listeners, what you, what we were kind of looking at in terms of culture and how important that can be once we were engaging volunteers into organizations. Well, volunteers bring their own um, life experiences with them, and that can be a different culture than the organization has. So it's that melding of cultures, which can be either a positive or negative experience. But it can, in a positive way, it can be really a growth opportunity for the organization to look at things slightly differently from a different perspective, either professionally or socially or personally, or community culture, and uh, really can present uh, real opportunities to develop and uh, sustain an organization's ability to grow. So if the volunteer, for example, and you had mentioned our medical director early on, so that different perspective that our medical director brings can help develop the leadership of senior managers and the other staff that he might interact with? On a really practical level, he, he was a surgeon before he retired, so his view of doing things is cut to the chase and get it done. And his view of social workers was, and we've all kind of come to the middle of this, was we process things to death. So we've all come to respect his need to and his wanting to get things accomplished, and he's come to respect that sometimes you need to talk things out a little bit before you proceed to act. And so it's been a really positive experience in that regard. Mm-hmm. And and Mitch, you you your firm is Lawyers for Special Needs of Families, and you're a professional volunteer for Jewish Family and Children's Service. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about how much you've learned. Um, has that impacted your culture at all, interacting with social workers and guardians and other professionals who might be in leadership positions here at the agency? 
Well, not just that, but it also impacts what, what I bring back to the office and the culture of my office here. Um, one of the things that we use to distinguish our firm from other firms is the way we approach our clients. Um, a lot of lawyers approach legal problems much like Dr. Brenner approaches surgery that as technicians and as a problem that needs to be solved. And we look at things a little differently than that. And I think a lot of that has to be attributed to my experience with, with Jewish Family Services. We look at the whole client, the whole family, the whole situation from a point of view of not just solving the problem that they walk in with, but looking ahead to the other problems that we know they're going to face down the road and how to at least give them insight into those problems, even if they're not ready to address them when they when they encounter us the first time. Um, that's the value added that I'm able to give to my clients, or at least some of the value added because of my experience with Jewish Family Services. Hmm. And what kinds of things, Neil, do you use volunteers for at the agency? We use volunteers for everything that we do, whether it's a therapist who volunteer their time to do therapy for us, or people like Mitch, or people like Dr. Brenner as a medical director and senior management person. Um, it depends on the skill set that the volunteer brings. And that also can present a problem because not every skill set is appropriate for the agency. And sometimes we have uh, volunteers who can't fit into the organization or can't engage in a positive way. And then it's a real challenge to help them still feel good about the organization but find something else to do that is meaningful for them and doesn't uh, interfere with the agency work. And I'm reminded of somebody who applied for a, uh, a to be a volunteer as a big brother in our Big Brother Big Sister program and just wasn't suited for that. The challenge was how to help them feel good about themselves and still not involve them in a program for which they were bound to fail. Mm-hmm. Does everyone at the agency have to be a professional volunteer? No, we use a, uh, volunteers for administrative things, for transportation of our clients, for all kinds of tasks. But the challenge is that it has to be suitable for the for the person, mm-hmm. not just suitable for us. So there's a screening process. Screening process, that's more than a background screening. Mm-hmm. It's really a screening of the personality and the skill set of the volunteer and how they fit into the agency and how we can make the agency fit into the, their needs as well within reasonable limits. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm listening objectively to you. I obviously am familiar with the organization, but it takes me to the question of liability and who better to talk about that than both you as the CEO and also Mitch as an attorney. What kinds of challenges are there with liability in engaging volunteers? I don't know that you really, as an organization, you really have all that much to concern yourself with, providing you're doing your diligence. And, and, and as Neil just said, when you get somebody who's simply not suitable for the, for the tasks that they want to volunteer for, making sure that they're not placed in a position that's not appropriate, um, most good organizations have errors and omissions insurance. Um, most good policies where an agency is using volunteers cover any liability for actions by the volunteers. So as long as the insurance is adequate, you're okay. The, the trick to it is to make sure that 
as an agency, you've got systems in place so that you can identify when somebody's doing things as a volunteer that they shouldn't be doing and and make certain that that stops as, as quickly as you discover it. That's that's really where the level of liability can go up. If you know somebody's doing something wrong and you're ignoring it, then you've got you've got litigation problems. But short of that, I think most volunteers are good-hearted people, and certainly my experience with Jewish family is that your volunteers are just extraordinary people, and they're not going to get you into trouble. Mm-hmm. I think there's a different level of, on, of liability unrelated to the legal liability, which obviously Mitch is right about, um, and that is the, the emotional and PR liability of a volunteer not being satisfied, not getting uh, his or her needs met in a way that's helpful to the organization and going out and really being a uh, bad reference for the organization, talking about the agency in a negative way, that really can be very destructive, especially for leadership volunteers. So you have to be careful that when you start a relationship with the volunteer that you're going to engage them in a way that's positive for them and for you. Um, and uh, take the risk, deal with the risk, and acknowledge the risk that it could backfire. Mm-hmm. Which I would imagine really goes hand-in-hand hand with um, the flip side, if you will, of the opportunity of building extraordinary uh, organizational capacity using volunteers and engaging volunteers. No- nothing's free, yeah. ultimately. And that's another thing, that people think that using volunteers it's free. It's not. It takes a lot of work on everybody's part to make a volunteer uh, successful mm-hmm. and a, be- a benefit to him or herself and mm-hmm. the organization. Yeah. I know we've worked really hard at talking about rather than using volunteers within our culture, and it's been somewhat of a culture shift, talking about how you engage volunteers. Because just the language itself about using volunteers as opposed to engaging volunteers um, implies that it's a one-way when you're simply using them as opposed to engaging them, which really is that interactive process that you're describing. And we've had some volunteers who don't quite understand that, and so they come in and say, where's the job description? Where's the book of jobs for volunteers? And we say, mm-hmm. no, we're going to sit down with you and talk with you and understand what you want from this experience and how you can help the organization on an individualized basis. Mm-hmm. They kind of look and say, that's strange. We've never done that before. But ultimately, it's for the best. Mm-hmm. And before we move to um, what we're going to do in a, just a couple of minutes in terms of the next segment, um, any comments about public organizations? We're pretty much focusing on not-for-profit and voluntary organizations. Um, your experience with public organizations like Guardian Ad Litems or other ways that volunteers are used in the public sector? I guess my only real experience in the public sector with volunteers goes back to my days as an assistant state attorney here in Palm Beach County when I was a a county prosecutor. And the office used citizen volunteers for a number of tasks there, Um, everything from assistance with witnesses to... um, to basically run into court and even some retired lawyers who would come in and volunteer their time and certainly law students as part of their training would be sent in and and volunteer their time in exchange for law school credit, of course, but certainly not for pay. And, And 
it was, again, it was a matter of people getting out of the experience just as much as they were putting into it. Mm-hmm. Um, the students who were working from law school were working just as hard as the line prosecutors who were being paid. And the witness coordinators were just as passionate as anybody else in the office about doing the work. Mm-hmm. And, and the culture recognized and embraced that as opposed to you're paid, you're not paid, you're the volunteer. Oh, that wasn't even a question. These mm-hmm. folks were essential to the operation of the office. Mm-hmm. So from your experience, it sounds like there was really nothing that stands out that might be different in a public organization as opposed to a voluntary nonprofit. Well, maybe in others, but not, not in my experience with that one, no. Mm-hmm. I, I think the issues were the same in public and private. I mean, I, I remember being called in to advise a public organization about of foster families who were volunteering to take foster children. They were losing them as often as they could recruit them, they'd lose them. And it was because they weren't paying enough attention to the foster families and providing enough support. Mm-hmm. So I think it's the same issue for the public agencies as the private. Great. So I don't think anybody wants to feel like they're getting dumped on and mm-hmm. taken advantage of. Yeah. Well, we're at the end of another segment, and I really appreciate the listeners tuning back in. In just a couple of minutes, you're listening to Leadership Matters. We'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Hi, and welcome back. This is Jenny Fruma. I'd like to welcome our listeners back. Also, our two guests, Mitch Kitrosa and Neil Neustein. And this is the segment where Valerie joins us, Valerie Wright from Wright Ideas Unlimited, our co-producer. Welcome, Valerie. Thank you, Jenny. Good to be here. And I understand that you have some great questions for us from our listeners, and then we're going to spontaneously respond to them. Yes, absolutely. I do. I have uh, one that I want to hear the answer to myself. It comes from uh, Tiffany in California. Tiffany says, I am an executive director of a mid-sized nonprofit that serves youth. We have a second-term board member who recently became board chair. He quickly began to interject himself in the daily operations and placed minimal focus on policy setting and fundraising. Isn't it my role to redirect? Isn't it my role to redirect his attention to board matters? If so, how should I do this? Thank you, Tiffany from California. Neil Neustein, that sounds like a question for you to take up first. And the answer is gently. <laughs> <laughs> gently redirect the board Gently member? redirect, but firmly redirect. Um, mm-hmm. It's really a disaster when a board member starts dealing with uh, day-to-day activities and you need to help him or her understand that it's not his role. His role is to develop help the board to develop and pass policy and look at the future of the organization. And there are lots of um, materials, board source and other publications will give you the the backing you need to say to the um, chairman that it's not appropriate for him to get involved in day-to-day activities. So what does that dialogue sound like, just like you said it? Kind of like I said it, um, let's talk about your role as board chair. Um, what do you hope to get out of it? Well, what do you hope to accomplish by the end of your term? What are the problems you see? And I think you have to um, make sure that he has confidence or she has confidence in your work and understand what your job is and what the difference is between the two. And it can be very difficult and very sticky at times when um, – uh, the board chair is less comfortable with his or her role as board chair and more comfortable trying to make sure your postage machine is is uh, up to snuff. Mm-hmm. Or that the youth are engaged or getting the services that they need. Right. Mitch, do you have any response to that? Well, I chuckled when Neil said gently because <laughs> I think that's the, the only way to start. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody comes into a role with some notion of what it is they want to accomplish. And probably for Tiffany and, and the other Tiffany's out there, part of the goal would be to make sure that before that person assumes a role of leadership, there's been a conversation, maybe even with the prior 
president of the board. Mm-hmm. And if it's too late for that, maybe it's time for a conversation now to go back and, and correct that and to go over what should be done and, and what each person's role is in the organization so that everybody can stay on task. Um, mm-hmm. The administrator is different from the board, and the board's role is different from that of the administration. Mm-hmm. And that those roles need to be defined and yeah. need to be and need to be protected. If you blur them, then you you're going to lose focus, and, and the agency ultimately is going to yeah. suffer. And Mitch, I really appreciate you bringing that piece up because in our conversation till now, we've not really spoken at all about training and orientation. And what you were suggesting really touches on that before someone actually signs on to a position, whether it be a board member, as Tiffany's questioning or any kind of volunteer, that there be some training and orientation. So thank you for that. The other yeah, I, I think that would be essential anyway, just, mm-hmm. to, just to keep the organization focused. Yeah. The other piece of it that needs to be mentioned is the need to have a positive relationship with the board chair. Um, it's all about relationship. If you have a positive relationship, there's trust developed, then the board chair can hear you when you say you need to you know, be focused on the board and not on the management of the organization. And so it's always about relationship and engaging the person in a positive way. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine checking in with one another on a constant basis as right. well. Getting appropriate feedback is really critical. Yeah. And, and by the way, the, the board chairperson might have something valuable to add based on their experience and their, their life history and, and their work history. They might be right about some of the suggestions that they're putting forward, but they need to understand a chain of command also. Mm-hmm. Right, and, and see themselves more as a consultant or advisor than as um, a manager. So, Valerie, did you get your question answered that Tiffany presented to us? I think Tiffany got a lot of good information um, to help her board stay focused. Um, I I love the idea of training boards. I know I've worked with boards myself, and I've often um, suggested that they do an annual uh, board development if they don't do strategic planning. And if they do strategic planning, always re- um, re-engage them around roles and clarifying what those responsibilities are. So I love uh, what they, uh, both Mitch and Neil said. Mm-hmm. If it's really a problem and can't be solved by the developing of a relationship between the executive and the chair, then sometimes a consultant can help uh, bring that forward and you know the chair can hear it from the outside, which is sometimes helpful. Right. I think this was a really rich conversation around Tiffany's question. Tiffany, thank you so much yes. for that question. I have a, another great question from Derek in Wisconsin. Derek says, we have a volunteer who has been with us for four years. The quality of the work of his work has drastically declined and has caused several, several compliance concerns. Can we fire a volunteer? Should we treat him as we would an employee? Well, Derek, thank you for your question. Um, it's unclear from your question exactly what the volunteer might be engaged with. However, you do mention 
that there's a compliance issue, and so I think we work off that. Um, Mitch, Neil, either one of you want to go with that question? I, I think for Derek, you've got to be proactive here for a couple of reasons. Um, as soon as I heard compliance issue, of course, the the lawyer hat jumped right back on, and I started to get a little nervous for you, for Derek about potential liability. That goes back to what we talked about earlier in the show. If you've got a volunteer and they're not doing what they're supposed to do and they're not following the rules and you know about it and something goes wrong, then you're going to have a liability problem. So as soon as you're alerted to it, you've got to treat the volunteer just as you would an employee. You've got to sit them down and say, this is what you're doing. This is what we want you to do. And this is where you need to change or we will not be able to use you. And we love having you here. We love your energy, however you want to present it. So it comes across as kind, but from... But you can fire a volunteer is what you're saying? You you have to under those circumstances if the volunteer won't follow the rules and won't comply with your instructions. Unless you can find something else to do that he can, can do at the quality level that you need. Mm-hmm. You do have to find a vol- fire a volunteer when it becomes necessary. Mm-hmm. The other thing that struck me about Dirk's question is that he described the volunteer um, that there's been a decline in functioning. Yeah, I worry again, about that too. Mm-hmm, you know, being the social work agency, being the social worker, I kind of get concerned about that as well. And um, I, I think what you have both said is that as soon as you're aware that there are concerns and issues is to really address that in a respectful and dignified but gentle and firm way at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. You, can't, you just can't let that go on. Yeah. Derek, um, from Wisconsin, thank you so much for your question. And Valerie, are there any others that you have? Yes, I have a question from Marilyn in California. Marilyn says, I am in the beginning stages of implementing a volunteer program for our small nonprofit. Currently, we have two volunteers who serve in a full-time staffing capacity. As I think about bringing on about four to six more volunteers, I would like to know more about how to identify qualified volunteers. My question is, do you screen volunteers in the same manner you screen for paid employment, or is there a different process? Thank you, Marilyn from California. We touched a little bit on screening, um, but this may be an opportunity to actually go into greater detail, Neil, as the CEO of a nonprofit, the kinds of screening that you might go through with a volunteer or the volunteer might go through with us. Well, it's essentially the same. Um, We do a complete background screening. It's now state law in Florida to do it, but we were doing it long before that, including drug tests and driver's license screen, whole nine yards. And I think it's critical that you do that, but that's the beginning, not the end. Um, Once you get through that, then you really have to engage the volunteer in a discussion about uh, what their job is, how they're going to do it, what, what it means to them, and all the rest that we've been talking about. But yes, um, for all practical purposes, a volunteer is treated the same way as an employee is. They just don't get a paycheck at the end of the uh, month. Mm. And the other thing that Marilyn um, mentioned is that 
how do you identify, how do you, I guess, outreach and find potential volunteers? You have to do that through all the normal means. You reach out into the community. You should be engaged in your community and on the alert for mm-hmm. people who could volunteer. Yeah. At the beginning, you mm-hmm. kind of do that yourself. Yeah. But gradually, it takes on a life mm-hmm. of its own, and volunteers bring in volunteers. These have been really great questions, and Neil and Mitch, thank you, and Valerie, thank you. We're at the end of the segment. Derek, Marilyn, and Tiffany, really appreciate your questions. And we'll be right back. Leadership Matters. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? Listen for Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind. With host Chris Cooper, you'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. These people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more. Be More, Achieve More can be heard live Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Zoom Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoom Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoom Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Hi, welcome back to Leadership Matters. Um, As you know, we've been talking with our guests, um, Mitch Kitrosa and Neil Neustein, and we've had some great questions that have been called in as well. And we've been talking about volunteer issues, concerns, um, reasons to use and engage volunteers. And um, I just really want to take this opportunity because time comes very short to thank both you and Neil, Mitch, 
for joining us on the show. It's my pleasure. And this is an opportunity. Any final thoughts, lessons learned, final tips that you might have for listeners regarding our discussion and anything that you would like to share with listeners about upcoming events or, you know, websites that you would like to refer them to or materials. So, Mitch, why don't you go first? Well, I I think the one thing that, we didn't talk about that maybe is worth mentioning for anybody that's thinking about volunteering is you're also going to have the opportunity to meet other volunteers and you're going to have the opportunity to meet board members and if networking is important to you if it's important to you either for social reasons or for business reasons or both these are again going back to what I said at the beginning about it being really a give and a get. These are opportunities you're not going to have if if you're not volunteering. And when you talk with people on a level where they see you at an organization and you're both volunteering, there's there's a certain level of trust and friendship that you can reach much, much more quickly than you would if you're trying to meet and talk with somebody about a potential business deal out, out in the real world. Um, lawyers in general are distrustful of other lawyers. Um, it's a competitive field. It's a it's a gotcha kind of business to some extent. Lawyers' jobs are to to do for their clients, to protect their clients, and not necessarily to worry about the other lawyer's client. And if the other lawyer makes a mistake, well, so be it. But when you're when you're talking with people and you're you're getting to know them and you're becoming friendly with them, it's, it's, a, it's an entirely different level of relationship, and I think it's, it's very, very rewarding. Mm, that's interesting. Um, perspective in terms of almost like a hidden gem, um, an outcome of volunteering and creating those natural partnerships. Natural There's lots of gems if you just look for them. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Any websites or anything that comes to mind where you might want to have our listeners think about looking up stuff or information? I I think what you do there is you try and figure out where you want to be and what is of interest to you, and then look in something as simple as Google to do Mm -hmm. a search. If, If what you're interested in is victims of crimes, then go to a victim advocacy website and, and look there. If what you're interested in is families with kids with special needs, then start your search there. And when you find organizations that service that area of the community, then you've got your first choices of people to stop and talk to and, and organizations to talk to about volunteer opportunities. Mm-hmm. But find something that interests you and, and, then it, and then go from there. And then go to it. Yeah. Thanks, Mitch. Neil, what about you? Well, I think the other part of it, and that is as invaluable as, as volunteering is for the volunteer, it certainly can be for the organization. And um, I think the one caution is that the agency has to be willing to put the work in necessary to make it successful. You shouldn't get into having volunteers on on the staff if you're not prepared to put in the time and the effort because not to do so is is almost worse than uh, not doing it at all. And that's really engaging the volunteer and individualizing the experience and uh, developing the relationship. That's really all all of it and um, the critical part of it. Uh, In terms of websites for the agency uh, staff person who's looking at being a volunteer coordinator or bringing in volunteers, 
I'd go to BoardSource, www.boardsource.com, for a lot of information about using volunteers and working volunteers, both at the board level and in programmatic levels. Mm-hmm. And those are some really great tips, and I appreciate it. Um, the one thought that I had, of course, is that we've been talking about volunteers um, in all aspects of working in an organization, and we have a lot of volunteers who are right in the community that we call ambassadors who get some basic training, or I don't mean like field training, as in boot camp, but it feels that way sometimes because they really are learning about, for example, aging in place. And then they're out in the community and they are really our ambassadors helping residents and community members in their communities understand aging in place and how to access services if need be. And the other thing that occurs to me is that volunteers can really come in all ages, shapes, and forms. So how an organization can impact younger volunteers, uh, you know, who are interested in doing, for example, community service through their schools and um, that there are many opportunities like that as well. But, Neil, your point, and very poignantly, is that it does take time and effort that to reach out to volunteers and engage volunteers, um, they don't come free. And if you want to really engage them and be able to optimize what they can bring to the table in terms of talents, knowledge, and skill, that that takes a tremendous amount of effort. And I might add, um, I think a lot of support, from example, the board of directors that we've discussed before. But it's worth it. Mm -hmm. So, Mitch, I really hope that your experience with us continues. Um, I hope so, too. And that... You know, we continue to learn from one another and have that ongoing exchange. Um, We have just a couple of minutes, and I also think this might be a good opportunity for you, if you would, Mitch, since we have a minute, to talk a little bit about um, how you work with families particularly. Um, It depends upon what they're coming in for, but my typical... Family is some is a family that comes in in a crisis. Nobody looks for a lawyer when they don't need one. Um, either something terrible has happened, a family member, a loved one has died, or somebody is no longer able to manage their own affairs, or something as mundane as someone's finally figured out that they really need to put a will and a trust together for themselves. And as I said earlier, a lot of it is not just identifying the problem that the client thinks they've come in for, but looking at their situation in life and examining for them and helping them look at what they're facing now, what they're likely to face in the future, what they're going to need, and then offering some solutions. And not all of the solutions that they need are going to be found in a lawyer's office. Um, And helping them to find the solution with other people in the community and with other professionals, and sometimes it's Jewish family services and case management work that doesn't necessarily need to involve a lawyer, but they need help, and being able to direct them to the help is really gratifying. Mm-hmm. And what I really appreciate about your volunteering with us is that we know, and you mentioned this earlier about those kinds of partnerships and trust, we know that we can always ask you to talk with the family 
Um, and I think it's because we have you as a volunteer at the organization. It's much harder to call an attorney and say, will you talk with this family member? So thank you, Mitch. I really appreciate you being on the show with us today. You're welcome. Neil, as always, thank you very much. And our listeners, uh, thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters, informing leaders and inspiring solutions. And join us every Wednesday afternoon. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter. Oh, 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 oh,